When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It's a destination. We are finally here. Let's go. What is good, everyone? Welcome back to another episode of Destination Dynasty. I'm your host, Scott Connor at Charles Chill FFB on Twitter. And as usual, you can find everything related to Destination Devi over on patreon.com slash all gas. Join the Heisman tier. Join any tier. A lot of good discussion, but especially in the Heisman tier, it is daily dynasty discussion, content, theory, ideas, trades, everything you can think of uh, is there. Check that out. You get a lot of access to me on a daily basis over there. Uh, also, the Patreon feed for Dynasty and Chill, super active, a lot of good discussion. Just finished up on Friday night, our monthly Zoom chat over in DNC uh, went for almost four hours, just talking pretty much everything. A gamut of Dynasty topics, had massive engagement over there all night, over 25 people the entire night on the Zoom participating, great stuff. Check that out at patreon.com slash dynasty and chill. Uh, there will be an underdog read later, but if you're interested in joining underdog, they just opened up their new Superflex contest. I plan on getting a ton of entries into that contest going here in the next month or so. Use the promo code chill to join underdog if you have not signed up already and you get a year long access to the discord after you make a deposit. So check that out. Tonight's show, it's going to be a little bit different. It's going to dive into running backs. I did the leverage trade show a couple weeks ago, the Q&A show last week. Um, I did an extension to that Q&A show. If you enjoyed it, I did a couple extra questions on the Dynasty and Chill Patreon, so just another perk of that. But today's show is going to be a running back-centric show. and It's probably only going to go about 45 minutes or so, but I'm going to dive into some running back ADP. I'm going to use Keep Trade Cut, or KTC as we refer to it. And just talk a little bit about the anatomy of a running back. I've done previous shows looking at the position, looking at the values, looking at roster construction around running backs. Now I'm just going to kind of go through and look at how can we maybe exploit the current market. Now, a lot of people will say, again, KTC isn't the gospel. It doesn't work in every league. But you can certainly spot trends. The one benefit that it has, it is constantly updated. It is constantly being updated based on the current market pulse. And other than playing in a lot of leagues yourself, having access to communities like Dynasty and Chill or Destination Devi, where you get daily feedback and discussion on what is happening out there in the Dynasty streets, this is probably the next best alternative. So when you combine that with a bunch of people that are active and playing in a lot of leagues using it at the same time, you get a pretty good market pulse. So I'm going to use that. And I'm just going to talk a little bit about the anatomy of a running back look at who are the current running backs that are maybe undervalued, overvalued, but it's not going to be what you think. It's not going to be, oh, this running back is RB10, overvalued. This running back is RB30, undervalued. There's going to be some data behind this. 
And so what I want to look at is what do these typical running backs look like that are highly valued? Also, what does it look like from a ex expectation standpoint? If you're talking lineup leagues specifically, right? Because in best ball leagues, I did the roster construction series with Mike and Adam. Shout out to them. Uh, 4D Chess, great show. 4D Chess Dynasty show releases every Friday on this feed. But we talked a little bit about like where's the range of running backs, but at the same time, there's no sit-start component in best ball. So it's more about building a running back room around a certain range and getting the requisite number of running backs you want to have for your roster construction. It's probably not as much about the actual players. It's not as much about the actual market price. It's essentially just about finding enough players that are within that range. If you go too high, you're probably holding too much equity based on the dynasty market. If you go too low, you're probably pricing yourself out of actually finding usable running back reeks. Because you're going so far down that you're rostering a bunch of guys that are just getting weekly zeros. So it's a little bit of a different strategy. But I'm going to go through and just give some running back data, talk about some guys that I think are undervalued, overvalued based on the current market. I'm going to kind of talk about what I'm looking for and why there are some players out there that if they're going to be a quote-unquote buy or they're going to be somebody that's undervalued, uh, something needs to happen for them and it's going to revolve around the prerequisite number of opportunities. And then finally, I'm going to look at, you know, what does the classic dynasty's dead zone running back look like? I'm going to talk a little bit about that and just go through maybe some of the names that you can look at and say, okay, I can sell this running back and replace them with this running back. I'm essentially getting the same thing, but the only thing I'm selling is the perception of a projected workload or a projected floor or just buying prerequisite numbers of touches that I think are in place right now. But we also know there's a lot that can still happen. There's an entire rookie class that's still going to land somewhere. There are some running backs out there on waivers or on free agency in the NFL that are going to go somewhere. There's potential trades, potential cuts, potential roster battles. There's a lot that can happen to where maybe we're a little bit too sure on certain things and we're not maybe embracing some of the volatility in some other spots. So with that, let's dive into this. Uh, so what I'm going to do is I'm going to give some data up front. And when I refer to opportunity, I'm going to talk about opportunity a lot over the course of this show. When I'm looking at opportunity, I am looking at carries and I am looking at targets. So obviously not every carry is the same. You can have a carry that goes from the two yard line that doesn't result in a touchdown. That's going to count as a carry. Well, of course, the only thing they could have probably got from a fantasy standpoint there was less than two yards. So it's going to be very minimal, say 0.1 points if they only get one yard or they could get 6.2 points. They get the two yards, they go in for the touchdown, 6.2 fantasy points. So not every carry is created the same. Uh, not every target is created the same. There's some targets, obviously, that are just dump offs behind the line of scrimmage. Like that's a target. It's probably a pretty easy catch in most circumstances, but the return on what you might get out of that type of target is very low. You get the catch. Maybe you get a half a yard or you get a yard, 1.1 points. Now you have a downfield target that might be much, much less viable to be completed. But if it's completed, you're not only getting the catch, but you're getting 20, 25 yards, maybe some runs after the catch. So instead of it being, you know, 1.1 points, it's 3.5 points. So not every target is created the same either. So not every opportunity is created the same. Some targets are less efficient. Some targets are much less likely to result in a catch. 
But then there's other targets that, man, if I get 60 targets behind the line of scrimmage, there's probably a pretty good chance that player's catching 95% of them. So you are going to get the PPR points for all of those. So I'm using opportunities, just assuming everything is equal, and that's going to include rushing attempts, and it's going to include targets. And then what I did is I pulled all of the running back data going back to 2016. Because largely before that, there really aren't any running backs in the NFL that are even on rosters anymore that were here prior to 2016. There's a couple random ones in this sample size. So you have like Mark Ingram is still around, but there's not many. Jarek McKinnon, there's not a lot of them though. There's only a few. Jarek McKinnon, Mark Ingram, Latavius Murray. These guys have been there before 2016, but their data is still counting from 2016 on. Otherwise it encompasses the entire running back landscape from 2016 until now. And then it doesn't include rookies from last year only because they don't have enough games played. I wanted to make sure that there was a floor number of games played and a floor number of touches and opportunities. I didn't want to include very, very small sample sizes, and I did that for a reason. So there are going to be rookies that are omitted from this just because it's a very, very small sample size. I assume I could probably go through and add those in, but for purposes of this, I'm just looking at data with at least 20 games played and a floor of at least 150 opportunities since 2016, and then sorting the data based on that, assuming that the player is still active in the NFL. So we get a sample size of running backs that is from 1 to 78. So we have 78 players throughout this sample size. So I wanted to start with is to just look at what is the threshold I'm trying to hit. I've talked about this previously Uh, Shout out to Adiko again, who corrected me on this, talking about replacement value, replacement number of points per game for running backs. So for purposes of this, I'm going to make it 10 points per game. 10 points per game. That's what I'm going to look at. So we're going to start there looking at players that have averaged over 10 points per game throughout this sample size since 2016. And just filtering for that and then look at some prerequisites for what makes up that group of players. So when I filter for that, I end up with 38 players on this list that in their careers, hitting those minimums of opportunities and games played, they've averaged over 10 points a game for their career. At the very top, obviously, you have Christian McCaffrey standing alone, more than two points per game above everybody else, 22.13 points per game for his career. Incredible. Alvin Kamara is next, 19.86 points per game for his career. Not that far behind McCaffrey, a ways behind him in terms of like overall points per game, but number two uh, by quite a bit, almost two points per game higher than the next two, Jonathan Taylor and Saquon Barkley. Then you have Ezekiel Elliott, Dalvin Cook, Austin Eckler, Josh Jacobs, and then below that you have guys like Melvin Gordon, Leonard Fournette, players that are starting to fade out of the league just a little bit. But then all the way down to the bottom, you still have some stragglers down at the bottom, guys like Tony Pollard. Damian Harris, J.K. Dobbins, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, Miles Sanders. These guys are over 10 points per game, but they're not quite to even 13 points per game. But they're still there. So they still count for purposes of this sample size. And we'll get to some names like that uh, a little bit later. And sometimes it's just a bet on, listen, some of these guys are older. Some of these guys are 27, 28, 29 years old. And you're probably looking at this and saying, wow, you're mentioning this name. You know, sure, he's done that in his career, but he hasn't hit those numbers for three or four years. I get it. I get it. There's going to be some outliers on here, but there's also some justification as to based on their price if you want to bet on those types of players. So there's the sample size, 38. Now, what I want to look at is to make up those 38, 
let's look at their points per opportunity within that sample size. So the first prerequisite is you got to have that 10 points per game, right? You got to hit that 10 points per game number. And I'm looking within that sample size, at least from like a lineup league perspective of maybe some players that I might be interested in looking into a little bit further. So taking that sample size, now I'm going to filter for opportunities per game. Now opportunities per game, obviously I'm looking at targets, plus I'm looking at rushing attempts and looking at where the distribution is amongst those players. So leading the charge, you have Ezekiel Elliott, 22.17 opportunities a game for his career. Right behind him, you have four players that are over 21, Barkley, Dalvin Cook, Najee Harris. Then you have right below that, Christian McCaffrey, Jonathan Taylor, Joe Mixon, Leonard Fournette, Alvin Kamara, Derek Henry, Melvin Gordon, David Montgomery, Nick Chubb. Those are the only players currently, 15 of them. And I didn't say Melvin Gordon, but he's in there as well. But if you count Melvin Gordon, there's 15 players currently in the NFL that have averaged over 18 opportunities per game for their careers. And those would be the guys that I would say, okay, they are the quote unquote bell cows. Now, whether they're going to ever be bell cows again going forward, that's another story. You can challenge on guys like Fournette, guys like Alvin Kamara, guys like Joe Mixon, guys like Melvin Gordon. Probably not a great bet for that number to go anywhere but down, but at least the premise applies. So if you just look at that sample size, this is the bell cow tier that has hit the prerequisites. So looking within that sample size, what does their efficiency look like? So we're looking at the players and what do they produce per opportunity? So if you take that group, that group of 15 bell cows, you're looking at what is their career fantasy points scored per touch. Of course, at the very top, you have Christian McCaffrey. He's 1.131 fantasy points per touch. Right below him, you have Alvin Kamara, 1.116 fantasy points per touch. And so those are the two that you would say, okay, they've hit the prerequisite number of opportunities per game, and they are the most efficient at that number. This is the bell cow tier. These are the ones with at least 18 opportunities per game for their career across this sample size. And actually, the smallest sample size of all of them is Jonathan Taylor at 43 games, and then Najee Harris at 34 games. But even so, that is two full seasons with those guys. And now we're looking at what they do within that time frame. So Jonathan Taylor is actually number three, a big drop off from Kamara going from 1.116 to 0.898. So you see the drastic drop off from number two to number three, but it's still Jonathan Taylor at number three, Nick Chubb at number four. Then you have Saquon Barkley and Dalvin Cook uh, that rounds out the players that are above 0.85 per touch. Slowly below that, Derek Henry, Leonard Fournette, Ezekiel Elliott, Joe Mixon, Josh Jacobs, David Montgomery, and Najee Harris. And this is the first takeaway. Those three guys, Josh Jacobs, David Montgomery, Najee Harris. So of the bell cows, Of the bell cows, Josh Jacobs and Najee Harris are over 21 opportunities per game for their careers. David Montgomery, 18.48. So they're all over that magical 18 number. But their efficiency is pretty bad. I mean, compare their efficiency even to a guy like Derrick Henry or Dalvin Cook. Like, it's really not that much. It's a tenth of a point less per opportunity than those guys, especially Montgomery and Najee Harris. Like, these guys are not efficient. Now, they've handled a lot of work. They've proven that they can handle a lot of touches. But the takeaway here is what they're doing with the touches is not good. It's not very good in terms of fantasy production. Now, part of that can be, okay, they're never guys that are hyper-targeted. 
But the idea is they're not creating fantasy points per touch like these other guys. So I don't want to say they're fake bell cows because there is some value in these guys where you say, okay, even if Najee Harris is absolutely average, basically he's carrying a ton of work. Same with David Montgomery. So as long as you can project this work, you can project that they probably will score okay. But the takeaway is they're probably dead zone running backs. And currently looking at keep trade cut, Josh Jacobs running back eight, David Montgomery running back 24, Najee Harris running back 13. Those three guys are all players that I'm willing to bet against because I don't want to just bet on touches. It's nice to have if you have them at a decent price or you have them at a discounted price, but as soon as they are able to actually be moved in the market, even if you just move somewhere else, even if you just move to Dalvin Cook, running back 25, you know, legitimately, David Montgomery for Dalvin Cook, I'll take that bet all day. Because the only bet is basically that they both still handle the same number of touches. And if that's the case, you know, give me Dalvin Cook, not even close. You know, same if you can get up to the Saquon Barkley tier, even Derrick Henry, even Derrick Henry for Najee Harris. That's a trade. A lot of people will go, "Eh, I want the younger guy. You know, I want Najee. He's got more gas left in the tank. But if it's dead zone gas, if it's gas that's only making you drive in circles and you're not getting anywhere with it, that's Najee Harris versus Derrick Henry. Whereas Derrick Henry, he might only have one more cross-country trip in him, but at least I know he's going to get there efficiently. So that's the big conundrum when you're looking at these guys, especially Jacobs, Montgomery, and Najee Harris uh, for that reason. Joe Mixon, he's right above those guys. He's RB28 on keep trade cut. Now, I don't think his actual market reflects that, so I excluded him from this sample size. But at the same time, you know, you look at Leonard Fournette and Ezekiel Elliott. Both of those guys, very minimal value. Obviously, neither of them are on a team right now, but Fournette, RB64, Zeke Elliott, RB53. You know, is it advantageous to bet on one of those guys or at least pick both of them up and just understand, you know what, they may never get back to the place where they're getting his number of touches that they did two or three years ago. But the idea is their efficiency historically has been better than some of the guys that we value. So all you're paying for when you're going from Zeke Elliott or Leonard Fournette to David Montgomery is opportunity short term. You're not paying for any sort of upside. You're not paying for any sort of efficiency. It's just simply, I feel more confident having the guy that I know is on a roster. And that's it. So that's all I'm saying with guys like Elliott, Fournette, Joe Mixon. Those three specifically are already being treated kind of like, man, if they're not on the team that they were last year, obviously Fournette and Zeke are not. Mixon might not. People don't really want them that much. So if I can collect those guys, I'm doing it. All I'm fine saying is I'm collecting them just as, hey, they are floor plays. They are the cheapest, lowest common denominators of this quote-unquote bell cow tier that really all I have to bet on is some sort of projected situation. So as time continues to go on with guys like Fournette, Zeke Elliott, Joe Mixon, I'm fine buying back in. And as long as there's still a market, And I think the market for a guy like Montgomery is going to continue to go up a little bit. As long as there's still a market for these guys, Jacobs, Najee Harris, Montgomery, I'm kind of fine fading at those prices. And it doesn't mean I don't want them. If I have them and Josh Jacobs is my hero running back, you know what? I'll probably take the risk that he can have anything close to the season he had last year. If he gives me 75% of that, I'm going to be more than happy. But I don't want to be overexposed to a player like that. Basically, this is just saying that they're very, very volatile assets that as soon as the projected touches go down or go away, they're absolutely assets that are going to bottom out. You think Leonard Fournette's bottomed out? You think Ezekiel Elliott's bottomed out? 
a year or two away from that being Josh Jacobs or David Montgomery. So what is the short term? What can they do for me in 2023 production worth to you? And go from there. On the very lowest level, Melvin Gordon is still a player that is worth having on a roster. Probably looking at 30 plus man rosters, but I'm not dropping them. I've seen people drop them. And it's almost like, what's the purpose of dropping them in a lineup league, especially if you're roster constructing probably how a lot of us are? That's the kind of guy I want occupying my last spot. I don't want my last spot occupied by Josh Reynolds or by Richie James or Greg Dortch. And it's a simple fix. This is a player you can literally go pick up off waivers. I mean, go through your receivers and go, eh, this guy's probably not even a top 90 receiver. What is he doing on my team? in a lineup league. So just throwing it out there, Melvin Gordon, I've seen people drop him in startups. You can literally get him in the last round. He's on waivers in some leagues. Pick him up. Worst case scenario, he doesn't sign anywhere by the time the season starts. You hold on to him. But this is the range of where like Latavius Murray has come from the last couple years. You never thought he'd ever come back. And then he comes back and you go, wow, how did he go to the very top of a depth chart? Now there's some luck with injuries and whatnot, but you know, that type of player tracks to go right to the spot where you would want them overnight. They go from no team to, wow, I'm starting them in week six. And it's that fast. So that's why you would roster somebody like Melvin Gordon, especially for this data. And you look at him and you go, what is the difference between Melvin Gordon and Ezekiel Elliott? What is the difference between Melvin Gordon and Leonard Fournette? You're really just betting, do they have another year in them? Because it's a bet on those guys that they have another year, but literally Melvin Gordon is outside the top hundred. Like he's dropped. So if you can't trade for a Zeke Elliott or Leonard Fournette or Joe Mixon in your league, literally go pick up Melvin Gordon and drop a roster clogger. So now we're going to go a tier below, and this is the tier that's right below the bell cow tier. So we're talking about players that are between 10 and 16 opportunities per game and looking at their efficiency. Now, obviously, that number is not the same as 17 or more opportunities per game or 18 or more opportunities per game. It's less volume. And a lot of times you'll see some of these names and they take on a little bit of different archetype than the guys I just mentioned before. But when you're talking about this range, and I lumped them all into one range, I could have picked between, you know, 10 and 17 opportunities per game. And I could have probably said, okay, let me split that into two different sections. But I didn't do that. It's not a big enough sample size to really bother doing that. It's only a sample size of 22 different running backs that fit this criteria. And again, I'm sorting by the guys that are averaging at least 10 points a game for their career. And then I am filtering by the ones in terms of opportunity that are between 10 and 18. So it's right below 18. Obviously, 18 was a cutoff for the bell cows. So 10 and call it 17.99 opportunities per game. And then looking at the efficiency of those guys in the sample. So if you literally go from the very, very top and you take the players within this range and you look at their points per opportunity, obviously you have Austin Eckler at the very, very top, 1.134 points per opportunity for his career. Number two, this is going to surprise people, but it's DeAndre Swift. DeAndre Swift, 1.037 points per opportunity for his career. So of all the players averaging at least 10 opportunities per game, only three players, technically two actually, Alvin Kamara is just below DeAndre Swift, and then Austin Eckler and Christian McCaffrey are the only two guys that are above DeAndre Swift. So when people say, oh, you know, DeAndre Swift could be the next Austin Eckler, that's basically exactly what he is. You just have to hope that he can stay healthy and he can still give you the same number of touches and same number of opportunities per game that he's given you through the first three years of his career. 
And I think we're overcorrecting on Swift going, yeah, you know what? Well, he hasn't lived up to what we wanted him to be, but you know what? He still has the range of outcomes to just become Austin Eckler. And I know people are probably scoffing at that going, there's no way, there's no way he can ever do what Eckler's done the last couple of years. Not saying he's going to, but what I'm saying is these numbers track that he can still get there. You know, he's averaged 13 touches a game for his career. He's averaged 14.23 opportunities per game for his career. And he's averaged 1.03 fantasy points per opportunity for his career. So he's literally a spitting image of Austin Eckler. He hasn't been as efficient. He hasn't scored as many fantasy points in that time frame. But still, it's not like you're saying, yeah, you know what? He's going to continue to fall because he's not going to get a lot of touches. Who cares? I don't want him to get a lot of touches. Sure, I would love him to get 28 touches a game. Sure, I would love every player to get tons of touches. But that's probably not him. He's one of these like 15 opportunity a game running backs, but he's so efficient that it doesn't matter. If I'm paying the price that prices in the fact that he's not getting those bell cow touches, then I'd much rather have him. You know, you look at somebody like Najee Harris versus DeAndre Swift, you could not get more polar opposites in terms of fantasy production, but arguably they have essentially the same exact impact. So which one would you rather have? And that's a debate, but the fact is that they're very close. They're very similar. You know, then you get some other guys like Josh Jacobs versus him. And sure, Jacobs has had a better career from a fantasy perspective points per game wise, but it's not that different in terms of the actual production that they're giving you. So the fact that Josh Jacobs is RB8 and DeAndre Swift is RB18, you know, that's something that you can maybe exploit. So going down past Swift, there's a couple others that are in the really, really high end range that you're probably going, man, I didn't really expect that. Uh, And some of these names in here, I didn't say this at the beginning. I said there was a sample size of 22. There is at least one, two, three, four, five, five guys, maybe six that aren't relevant because they're basically out of the league. So you have guys like David Johnson, J.D. McKissick, Ty Montgomery, Jordan Howard, Mark Ingram, Kenyon Drake, you can probably throw in there. Kenyon Drake's kind of a poor man's version of Melvin Gordon. He's still worth rostering, even though people have already cut him and he's outside the top 100. There are some guys in here that just aren't relevant. So it's actually a pretty small sample size when you factor that in. But then you look at some of the guys that are still above 0.9 fantasy points per opportunity. You have Cordero Patterson, 0.981. J.K. Dobbins, 0.968. Aaron Jones, 0.961. Kareem Hunt, 0.934. Tony Pollard, 0.926. James Conner, 0.91. So all those guys are over 0.9 per touch or per opportunity for their career. So pretty good. And then in there, you can actually look at the guys that get the most opportunities per game. So Cordero Patterson. 13.69 opportunities per game. Nice. Aaron Jones, 15.77. Kareem Hunt, 15.25. James Conner, 14.96. They're not bell cows, but they're certainly not 10 touches or 10 opportunities per game. It's a big difference. Very big difference. Because you see, there's some guys in here where you go, man, they're not really that highly valued. This is actually the range where I'm trying to buy some running backs. I'll go down a little bit further just to get the full gamut of names. So below James Conner, Kenyon Drake came in at 0.934. Then you have a couple other intriguing names, names that people have written off. Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, running back 61 in ADP. He's at 0.832. Antonio Gibson, 0.817. Edwards-Hilaire, again, running back 61. Gibson, running back 37. Interesting, right? Below them, a couple names that people are valuing pretty highly right now. Ramondre Stevenson, 
0.811, Miles Sanders, 0.791, Damian Harris, 0.787, Javante Williams, woof, 0.760. So I just read you a list of the non-bell cows, so this is the tier below the bell cows, in terms of efficiency. Now in this range, I can argue it is more important to be efficient. Because clearly we're not banking on the sheer volume of opportunities from these guys. This is the tier below. And you can see why the guys at the top of this have been super efficient from a fantasy standpoint, right? Austin Eckler, Kareem Hunt, Tony Pollard, Aaron Jones, DeAndre Swift. Like all of those guys you've probably already put in the category of, man, they can smash with only 15 touches. They don't need 22 touches. They don't need 24 opportunities a game to score a ton of fantasy points. But then you look at the current prices and you go, hmm, Eckler, RB11, okay, that's fine. Swift, RB18, probably a little undervalued. Cordero Patterson, RB71, criminally undervalued. I mean, what are you expecting from running backs in this range, especially the lower end guys? You know, what are you expecting from a guy like Damian Harris, RB42? Do you expect Damian Harris has any sort of job security or longevity outside of year to year? No. So why would you take Damian Harris over Cordero Patterson? You know, then you go down the line a little bit. Kareem Hunt, a free agent right now. RB48. So talking a little bit about Zeke and Leonard Fournette, as as longer he stays out there and he's not signed, he's going to go into the range with those guys. James Conner, RB43. Again, from an asset standpoint, what are you expecting from Miles Sanders that James Conner can't give you? Yet Sanders, RB20, James Conner, RB43. And career efficiency, it's not even close. Connor's averaged 0.10 points per opportunity or a tenth more points per opportunity than Miles Sanders. So you can argue he's better and the workload's not that different. If the people are just simply going, well, Miles Sanders is going to last longer. But do we really know that? Do we really see that in terms of how the market's treating running backs? Or are they literally all in this range, just year to year propositions? So that's something you can exploit. So the guys at the top of this list, Patterson, RB71, Kareem Hunt, RB48. Aaron Jones, RB26. If you're sitting there telling yourself a story of why you should be buying a guy like Josh Jacobs or why you should be buying a guy like Austin Eckler, why not pay half that price and buy Aaron Jones, RB26? Tony Pollard, RB10. That's fine. James Conner, RB43. I already talked about how that's a really good deal. Uh, J.K. Dobbins. Listen, J.K. Dobbins, literally, it's just been injuries. You know, his workload hasn't been awesome. His opportunity has been a little bit limited. He's on the small side in terms of only 11.22 opportunities per game for his career. So that does have to go up. But if it goes up even to just the 14-15 range, his efficiency should be able to carry him very similar to DeAndre Swift. So I look at Swift and Dobbins being very similar. And I think a lot of the issues with Dobbins is looking at the target rate for Ravens running backs, which I think we can probably nullify at this point because they're going to be running a new offense. And if they don't have Lamar Jackson, then who knows? what the new Ravens offense is going to look like. So Dobbins and Swift are probably pretty good values where they are compared to the quote-unquote bell cows in the tier above. Then you go down a little bit further, even Clyde Edwards-Hilaire at running back 61. Still a guy that I'm willing to take a shot on simply because people have written him off and said, well, he's not what we thought he would be, so let's bury him. Same with Antonio Gibson. Both of those guys fit the same mold. And I just challenge you and you go, okay, well, why would I want somebody like Miles Sanders or Javante Williams or Damian Harris at their price when I can literally get Antonio Gibson or Clyde Edwards Lair. For a lineup league, doesn't really matter which one I have. They're both in the dead zone, most likely. 
but which one can I pivot off of one for the other? So that's the idea. And then go below. These are the guys where I'm a little skeptical of. Ramondre Stevenson, only .811 points per opportunity for his career. Not efficient. Running back 14? You know, give me DeAndre Swift. Give me J.K. Dobbins over Ramondre Stevenson. I can probably get a tax on top of that. Miles Sanders, running back 20. I mean, what a whirlwind it has been for Miles Sanders going from absolutely buried all the way back up to RB20 simply because he signed a contract. Damian Harris, same thing. He fell a ton, signed somewhere, RB42. Devin Singletary, to the same extent, RB51. Uh, What this tells me about Devin Singletary is he's not very good at all. One of the worst running backs in the league. So if you can get anything for him, there's probably players at the, the tier below. And we'll close out the show by talking about the other players that are below the prerequisites on uh, maybe where we can sign some value there. Uh, and then the last one, the most egregious value or ADP in Dynasty right now. If you think Najee Harris is bad, Javante Williams. Javante Williams is at the damn near bottom, less than 0.8. PPR points per opportunity, currently RB12 in Dynasty. Now, is his actual market price that high? I don't know. But I think when people go and just pick running backs, they go, you know what? I'm going to take Javante Williams. And what are you buying with Javante Williams? You are buying a guy that is coming off a serious knee injury. Even if you accept he's not going to be right in 2023, what are you getting in 2024? At best, you're getting David Montgomery? At best. At the very best, and that doesn't even factor in. We haven't seen him play after the injury. But you're getting an inefficient, bad player that probably got a little higher draft capital than he should have. But man, I'm looking at some of these other names on this list, and I go, wow, I can get three of these guys for Javante Williams, and I'm getting the more efficient players. And all I have to do is mitigate that 15.4 opportunities per game Javante Williams is going to give me. Can I replace that season by season? And if I can replace it with other touches, if I can replace it season by season with Cordero Patterson, like give me James Conner, Cordero Patterson, and another filler running back in this range. And as long as I can get three seasons out of those guys, then what am I doing with Javante Williams? Why am I holding Javante Williams at his current market price? So he is probably the biggest sell out of all of these because the numbers just track. He's not very good. He's inefficient. Not a good profile coming off a serious injury. And it's just wild to me that people have essentially admitted, yeah, he's going to probably miss a lot of 2023. And even if he plays, he's probably not going to be what I think he could be. So I'm willing to wait another year. What are we doing? What are we waiting another year on a running back in this market when he's already in the dead zone? In fact, efficiency wise, he's at the very, very bottom of the league and he's valued in the dead zone. Yet we're paying RB12 prices for him on KTC doesn't make sense. If you have Javante Williams, he is the pivot option. And I'm literally going back and listening to the last 15, 20 minutes. There's a boatload of different options. As long as you get some value back for Williams and you can get somebody else tacked in, whether you get a first, whether you get a couple seconds in a player, whatever it is, do it. He's a guy that I'm pivoting off of most. Uh, absolutely want to sell him anywhere I have him. And you know what? If he defies the odds and in two years, he's where James Conner is right now, then sure, I'll buy back in. But I would hope those two years would drive his price down to where it's like nobody wants him at that point. So after this, we'll get into the final set of players and we'll talk a little bit about uh, how efficiency can be a little tricky. I'll talk about some buys and sells in this range. 
Uh, but one of the biggest issues with cells is we're talking about players with less than 10 opportunities per game for their career or players that just haven't been productive in terms of fantasy points per game. So it's a little harder uh, to justify making moves here, but there can be some strategic bets that you might be able to make. With that, we'll go to a break talking about Destination Devi's newest sponsor, Underdog Fantasy. Destination Dynasty is now sponsored by Underdog Fantasy. I'm gearing up for Underdog's Fantasy season-long best ball contest. It's a great way to put your best ball skills to the test against me and everyone else at the Destination Debbie team. The best part? If you use promo code CHILL when you sign up, you'll get a 100% deposit match up to $100. And if you deposit $10, you'll get access to strategize with us in the Destination Debbie Discord, where you can get additional stats, tips, and much, much more to dominate your drafts. What are you waiting for? Head over to underdogfantasy.com, sign up, again, use promo code CHILL to get a 100% deposit match up to $100, and deposit your $10 to get access to the Destination Debbie Discord. Back to the show. And welcome back. So continuing on with the running backs, I'm going to talk about a literal dead zone of players here. Now, these are players that have averaged less than 10 points per game for their career. And they are over 12 opportunities per game for their career. So they kind of got filtered out in that original sample set. But there's a couple names in here that are very intriguing. So I wanted to talk about them. And then I want to look at what is their per game efficiency look like. So we have Sony Michelle, Miles Gastian, Philip Lindsay, Cam Akers, Jamal Williams, Michael Carter, Marlon Mack. Now you may go, wow, you just named a bunch of bad names. Sony Michelle, Miles Gaskin, Philip Lindsay, Marlon Mack. Who cares? But there's three names I mentioned in there that might have rang a bell. Cam Akers, running back 30 on KTC. Jamal Williams, running back 38 on KTC. And then Michael Carter, running back 55 on KTC. What that means is those three guys have some dynasty value, right? So then I look at their per touch or per opportunity numbers. I keep saying touch, but it's really per opportunity numbers that's a better view of this. Uh, And then you examine and you go, wow, which ones are efficient and which ones aren't? Uh, Cam Akers, probably the second biggest sell on this list. So we're talking about a guy that has averaged 12.86 opportunities per game for his career. He has averaged only 0.663 points per opportunities for a career. So absolutely dreadful. Worst on the list. Very worst player on the entire list and the entire sample size. Actually, the only guy that's lower than him, two guys lower than him, Deontay Foreman and Josh Kelly. But he is the third worst among this sample set in terms of points per opportunity for his career. RB30. Then you have Jamal Williams, 0.787 points per opportunity for his career on an average of 12.38 opportunities per game, RB38. And then Michael Carter at 0.758 points per opportunity on 12.33 opportunities per game, running back 55. So essentially what this is saying is all three of those guys are very inefficient to the point where they've all averaged more than 12 opportunities per game for their career. They've mustered less than 10 fantasy points per game for their career, and they actually hold some dynasty value. So if there isn't a sell on this list that you take away from this next tier, those three are ones where, you know what, I can actually sell them. I can actually sell these guys. I should be exploring it for a lot of the options that I talked about earlier. Again, back to the Cordero Patterson range. Back to the Leonard Fournette, Ezekiel Elliott, Kareem Hunt reigns. Who cares if I am trading away a guy that I can project for some opportunity, a.k.a. someone like Jamal Williams or Cam Akers? Because these numbers say they're not good. So it's essentially just I'm buying guaranteed touches. 
And for me, I'm not saying I don't want guaranteed touches. That's not what I'm saying. I don't care about buying guaranteed touches in April. I'm much more willing to play the market and kind of bet that things change on the landscape to where the touches are in different spots in terms of what I'm paying for right now. So just interesting that those three stood out. Uh, Then you go to some others on this list that are below the 12 opportunities per game, but they're kind of right below it and in the same range. I'm going to ignore some of the names that are are outside the top 100 or that are NA that don't have any dynasty value, Uh, but a couple others that are over 10. You have A.J. Dillon, 11.13 opportunities per game, 0.785 per touch, running back 31. He's got some value. Deontay Foreman, 11.02 opportunities per game for his career, 0.653 points per opportunity. Extremely poor, worse than Cam Akers. Running back 50. Okay, that's another one that's worth pivoting off of. Below that, a couple tiers below, you have Jeff Wilson, you have Gus Edwards, you have Chuba Hubbard. All three of those guys are about 10 opportunities per game for their career, less than 0.78 points per opportunity for their career. Gus Edwards and Chuba Hubbard, extremely poor, only 0.70, running back 62 for Wilson, running back 75 for Edwards, running back 59 for Hubbard. Not that I don't want those guys, but again, these are players where if I could sell for a third round pick, I would do it. And I don't want to buy these guys for a third round pick. I'm essentially buying guaranteed touches. And am I really getting any guaranteed touches with players in this range? And do I know for sure what I'm getting in April? No. So those guys are definitely on the list of, okay, really not all that interested in these guys simply because efficiency says that they're pretty bad. And I probably can't really guarantee myself a floor of touches either. Like we're talking very, very, very bottom of the list. So not interested at all in those players that I'm mentioning. And now for the final sample set. So these are guys that are under 10 opportunities per game for their career. And that doesn't necessarily mean that they're bad. It just means they haven't gotten touches. But it's important to look at these names and then look at, okay, are they efficient when they get touches? And then do they have any dynasty value? Because that's the main takeaway. I'm not buying any volume in here, right? Like I'm not getting any sort of prerequisite in terms of volume. These guys have never shown that they can handle any volume. So I want to spot the efficiency, and then I want to spot the inefficiency, and then I want to look at the dynasty values for both of those subsets and figure out maybe should I be buying, maybe should I be selling, are there pivot options, are there liquidation options? So that's what I want to look at. So this sample set is a total of 23 running backs. Now, 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12. 12 of the 23 are completely off the dynasty radar. You know, you got guys like Royce Freeman, you got guys like Brian Hill, Ty Johnson, Justin Jackson. Like, they're below the range of, they're just bodies. They're just valued as bodies on a depth chart. If you can pick them up for free, sure. Maybe I'll pick up some of the efficient ones in this range. Maybe I'll pick up somebody like... Justin Jackson. I'd rather roster Justin Jackson than I would roster Royce Freeman, for instance, just simply based on this efficiency. But it's far enough down where you're probably going, these guys are on waivers in most leagues anyway. So I'm not going to talk about those. I'm going to focus on the players that are within this range. I'm going to focus on the efficiency and the inefficiency for both sides and then talk about their current values. So at the very, very top, and this may surprise some people, But coming in at only 7.59 opportunities per game for his career, you have Naheem Hines. And he's at 1.083. Remembers the numbers I talked about earlier with Austin Eckler, Alvin Kamara, Christian McCaffrey, DeAndre Swift. Those were the only four guys that were over one. Naheem Hines is 1.083. So he tracks like really, really good. But we also know he is a, what, 
eight opportunity, 10 opportunity per game max player, but he's still a guy I will roster if he gets back to that role. I have no idea what that role is going to look like. If it's possible for him to have that role with the bills, maybe he gets cut and goes somewhere else. I don't know. It's a long shot, but RB 77. Okay. He's probably more on the buy side. On the contrary, you have Kenneth Gainwell. So Kenneth Gainwell, 6.06 opportunities per game for his career. Think about that. 6.06. Now he's efficient. 1.057 points per opportunity. Running back 41. So tell me the difference between Naheem Hines and Kenneth Gainwell. Other than what? Projection? We're projecting one to get more touches than the other? We saw one be a little better than last year. Then Naheem Hines went to a new spot and really didn't have that role anymore. That's all it is, though. The difference between the two is essentially you're betting Kenneth Gainwell gets a role where he's 12 to 15 opportunities and Naheem Hines gets a role where he's only five opportunities or less. If those are close, if they're both around 10, they're the exact same player. Yet one is RB41, one is RB77. So I'm not saying trade one for the other, but you get the point. You can probably get a second for Kenneth Gainwell and someone might tack in Naheem Hines. Reality, the best bet in that trade is probably just getting the second. Go down a little bit further, Jarek McKinnon. Jarek McKinnon is almost the same thing as Naheem Hines and Kenneth Gainwell. He's just older, so people don't trust that he's going to at all find this role. But if he were to find his way back to the Chiefs, you never know. So he's a player that I probably would just pick up if someone's giving him away for free. I don't want to pay a third for him, but you know what? Perfect opportunity to tack him on in a trade. Boston Scott. Look at Boston Scott. And Kenneth Gainwell, he has not been as efficient as Kenneth Gainwell, but you look at their per opportunity or per game opportunity metrics, it's almost the same thing. So I'm not saying Boston Scott's Kenneth Gainwell, but to sit here and just say, we know Kenneth Gainwell deserves a bigger role and Boston Scott is just the number three where he's going to get five opportunities per game max. What if we're wrong? He's RB85. So just keep that in mind. Step further, Chase Edmonds is another one. People have literally forgotten. Chase Edmonds has been a pretty efficient player for his career. Only 8.41 opportunities per game, but 0.902 points per opportunity. So not bad. Like Chase Edmonds is almost a younger version of Jarek McKinnon. And he literally has almost no value running back 80. That'd be the kind of guy, I'm, I'm not wishing that this necessarily happens, but that could be the kind of guy that, man, he ends up on the Chiefs, he ends up somewhere on a decent offense and you're going, wow, this guy's not bad when they give him eight to 10 touches a game or eight to 10 opportunities per game. Perfect. So that's a player I've seen literally dropped, pick him up. Now we're starting to flip and this is the interesting one. This is kind of the median point, Rashad Penny. So Rashad Penny, 8.88 opportunities per game for his career, but 0.866 points per opportunity. So he's right in the middle. He's good, not great. He's been efficient, but really for Rashad Penny to pull off running back 39 price like he is right now on KTC, the opportunity needs to go up. And I know this is an average. He's played 42 games in his career, yet he's been in the league now for five seasons. So you're talking about a guy that has missed literally half the games that he possibly could have played. So what you want to see is when he plays, and this has been the argument to support Rashad Penny, when he plays, the opportunities per game goes up. That needs to go up probably to that 12 to 15 range. If so, it's going to track where he's pretty good for fantasy. But if not, the volume is kind of always going to keep him down. If you were to say, take his opportunity and just add 50% to it. So that would bring him from 8.88 to around 13. You could bring his fantasy points up to about 12 points per game. So he's not going to smash. So I'd probably actually argue now that he's running back 39 in ADP, he is a pivot down candidate, but you can at least see the argument as to why he is valued where he is. 
because he is efficient. He does have the efficiency numbers that track. And really all I'm betting on is he stays healthy. Now, go down to the guy right below him. Literally, these players are almost identical for their careers. And you're going to sit there and go, I have no clue you're talking about, but there's another Rashad Penny out there. How about Raheem Mostert? Raheem Mostert and Rashad Penny, literally identical numbers on a per-game basis for their careers, but Raheem Mostert is RB69, Rashad Penny is RB39. And I think everyone would agree that both of those guys are one more wash season or injury away from being done for. Why is Rashad Penny RB39 and Raheem Mostert RB69? So now you go back to what I talked about at the beginning. Just think about the type of bet and why the arbitrage play is smart. If you're selling a guy like Rashad Penny or Damian Harris and you're going to Raheem Mostert or Cordero Patterson, you're simply buying away the perceived value that their age carries. When in reality, I don't care if Rashad Penny is 27, 28, or Raheem Mostert is 31 or 32. Who cares? They are one-year bets. They are easily in the one-year bet category. So why am I paying for the guy that's a little bit younger? They're going to go until they're not efficient and they can't play anymore. And for everyone in this range, this far down, that is literally a season-to-season, year-to-year proposition. So why am I valuing the age at all? It should be all about what can they do in the short term. And in the short term, going into 2023, I don't think the outlook is that much different. So that's a clear pivot-off opportunity. Now there's a few others that I'm going to highlight, and these are going to be the main three that I want to talk about in terms of guys that are sells, because they have some market value right now, and you look at their profiles and you go, hmm, not really sure why. So the first one, Samaje Pirine. So 6.88 opportunities per game, 0.78 points per opportunity, running back 52. Pirine, listen, he's a great story. He was good on the Bengals. He was a nice backup running back. But I've seen him steamed up a little bit to the point where it's like, man, he could be the starter. And I agree, there could be some perceived opportunity. But he's literally now trading as a top 50 running back. Now, you might say, well, having him on my roster is worth more than what I can get. That isn't the point. The point is you can find something even cheaper that occupies the exact same type of spot that you pay nothing for. So that's why you sell P. Ryan, running back 52. Right below him, two guys that are actually steamed up even further and are essentially much poorer versions of Rashad Penny, unless you were going to tell yourself the story that the only reason their opportunities are so low is because they've had somebody blocking them for touches. And you can probably guess who these two are. Khalil Herbert, 8.67 opportunities per game. Alexander Madison, 8.27 opportunities per game. And both of them at 0.757 points per opportunity. So extremely poor on the bottom 20% of this entire subset of running backs. Yet Herbert is RB29, Alexander Madison is RB35. So I'm not saying they're quite as big a sells as somebody like Javante Williams or quite as big a sell as somebody like Ramondre Stevenson, but man, they're pretty close. And you can't get as much, but man, people are actually buying these guys as potential starters. Woof. Absolute woof. So again, be creative. You kind of understand what you're getting if you're selling a player in this range. You're not getting a first. Doesn't really matter what else happens with the backfield. The narrative of, well, they're going to start, so I should get a first. No. The idea is try to take this spot. You can find a cheaper alternative. Now, you may whiff on the alternative, but if you're trading Khalil Herbert for a second, and let's call it Cordero Patterson or Raheem Mostert, I'm pretty much filling the spot 
with a more efficient player and essentially just a one-year bet. Because I don't even really want to bet on guys that are this far down to be anything more than a year-to-year asset. That's more of a macro bet in terms of the running back position as a whole. But wow, you look at all these numbers and you go, I can literally make that trade. If you make two of those trades, you trade Khalil Herbert for Cordero Patterson in a second. You trade Alexander Madison for Raheem Mostert in a second. If you can pull a deal like that off, you've essentially bought them or you've bought the second for one of those guys and you get a free placeholder. That's a pretty good bet to actually be better than those guys to begin with. So it's just really, really odd how our perception in narrative in terms of like, okay, this is the current place for a player on a depth chart. I like the offense. I like the coach, whatever it is, whatever is driving Khalil Herbert's RB 29 price and Alexander Madison's RB 35 price. It just baffles me. So those guys are obvious pivot opportunities. Again, you might not be able to make these trades. And I'm also not saying I don't want to have any exposure to them. Remember, I'm coming at this from a portfolio approach, meaning I may have Alexander Madison in four or five leagues. What I'm saying is probably selling him in 60% of them. I have five shares, I'm going to sell three. I have four shares of Khalil Herbert, I'm going to sell two or three. But the idea is that's fine. If I have one or two and he ends up actually being the outlier, then okay. And if I only have one or two and he ends up being what I'm talking about, then fine. I have one or two. And the good thing is both of them have enough buzz that Even if what I'm saying starts to come to fruition and they're not that great, I probably can still sell for something. I can probably still sell them for a third, a third and a fourth. Like it's not going to go completely to zero. And that's the nice thing about them having a little bit of market cachet is you can still sell them. So unlike Samaj P. Ryan, where if Samaj P. Ryan goes out and he's getting no touches in the first month of the season, he's probably done for. He's a guy that's essentially being priced at what his opportunity could be in the short term. Those other two, I think there's a little bit of dynasty bias and dynasty value. And what I'm saying is you really don't want to buy dynasty value at this level of range at the running back position. So hopefully a lot of this helps. It's a pretty simple thing to follow. You're looking at per touch efficiency or per opportunity efficiency. Uh, and then looking at the prerequisites, right? I mean, we talked about the 10 points per game kind of being the floor. And then what makes up the sample size of those players. There was not many players that really were able to hit the 10 points per game mark unless they were above a certain number of opportunities. Certainly it needed to be double digits. So if you can't get to the double digits, what does efficiency even mean? You know, for these guys that are super efficient on seven or eight touches a game for their career, that's the Kenneth Gainwell argument, right? He's been so efficient, his efficiency should earn him double the volume. But he's only at six opportunities per game for his career. So unless the volume doubles, his efficiency is meaningless if we're talking a lineup league. So with that, I'll go ahead and sign off uh, this running back centric show. Hopefully it was helpful. Hopefully it should allow you to make some pivot trades. Um, Also go back and listen to America's game with Eric and I. We actually talked about uh, some trades that we could do, and we did hit on a lot of running back trades like this that you may be able to find applicable to your leagues as people are kind of sniffing around draft picks and their rosters and looking back at you know, maybe how they wanted to roster construct and getting their roster that way, preparing for uh, the rookie draft and all the changes. But the activity is starting to pick up in league. So I think you can start making some of these trades, especially if you're willing to kick picks to the future. You're willing to go to 2024. Yeah, I think a lot of people are chasing the 2023 picks, but if you're willing to essentially do some of these deals and take on 2024 seconds or thirds, um, I think you can get some of these done and maintain good roster construction. As always, check out everything at Destination Devi at patreon.com slash allgast, the Dynasty and Chill group over at patreon.com slash Dynasty and Chill. And then finally, the newsletter, 
check that out at allgas.beehive.com slash subscribe. You get weekly content every Friday from everybody at the Destination Debbie team. Until next week, I will go ahead and sign off. Be chill. Ain't like-